Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Welcome, my friend Blake Goss, the worship pastor at New Spring Church, songwriter, worship leader, itinerant worship leader as well. Blake, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you so much, man. Excited to be here. So tell me a little bit how you got into music. Like, you're, you were an athlete in high school. You, you, I remember you telling me that you, your family wasn't very musical. How did you decide, like, music and, and worship? How did you even figure out that you could do music? Yeah, funny enough, um, I had no interest in music at all growing up. I mean, like you said, I was raised in a sports family. All my siblings, my dad played all the way through college, and that's just how I was raised. And I even joke, but it's not a joke, sadly enough. The only CD I even owned was a sports compilation disc called Jock Jams. I know it's so oh, yeah. embarrassing, but you know, let's get ready to rumble. I the Tiger, you know, the songs that are going to get you ready. The Chicago Bulls, like the Chicago Bulls, like intro song. Yep. <laughs> it's perfect. So, I mean, zero interest in music, really. Um, but it was in, I, I was raised in a Christian home, um, going to church. Uh, from childhood and it was through in student ministry kind of high school years it was through the music even though I wasn't a musician that I truly felt a connection with the presence of God Um, I didn't even know to put the words to it but I think it was like probably the first time that I felt the Holy Spirit in my life and I mean don't get me wrong loved the teaching loved the word of God being preached but there was something extra special that I felt a connection with the Lord through music and so while I wasn't a musician, I, I did love the Lord. And I was like, man, I don't want to be limited to this on a Wednesday night at my student ministry. I want to be able to experience this at home. Um, you know, when I'm reading my Experiencing God Day by Day, Henry Black <laughs> <laughs> devotional yep. Yep. Um, in high school. And so, um, you know, at the time I was listening to, I bought like the the Wow Worship Gold and Blue CDs would listen yep. to Heart of Worship, shout to the Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I'm kind of dating myself here. Um, but I was like, man, if I could just learn, you know, at the time, three or four chords on a guitar, I could play just about every worship song in the book. Um, All of them. That's right. Absolutely. Everyone since the Psalmist David, basically. Yep. Four chords and a capo will get you a long way. You can go anywhere. <laughs> um, so I did. I got a, a cheap guitar, like literally a hundred bucks. Um, and truly, at the time, my only intention was to just experience the Lord there in my room. I mean, never had a dream of being on staff at a church, never had a dream of standing on a stage. Honestly, didn't even know I could sing. Um, wow. It was just about that. And I mean, just to go ahead and jump to this, I mean, I, I'm thir- about to be 39 years old, been a worship pastor now for about 20 years. And still to this day, the Lord points points me back to that moment and says like, Hey Blake, just never forget why it started. Um, yep. it wasn't about all this extra stuff. It was, it was about just me and you, um, enjoying each other. And so that really is how it started for me. Um, so how did you figure out you could sing? Well, um, 
it really was a long process of just um, kind of singing background vocals with people like, you know, I was super nervous to do it. Um, and then I remember I was on a mission trip my senior year of high school and I took my guitar with me and no lie, like somehow the first night we got there, they asked, could anybody from this mission group come and sing at this funeral? And oh my like, gosh. Yeah, they're like, Blake, you got to do it. You're the only one who's, you know, remotely musical. And the only thing, <laughs> this is so funny, but the only thing that gave me courage enough to actually sing was I knew that they didn't speak English. And <laughs> while melody doesn't really matter, <laughs> they wanted me to come sing Amazing Grace. And, um, and I did just to, just to serve this family that was hurting. And they were like, you have a really good voice, you know? And, and I thought they were just being nice, but it was just small little things like that, that just slowly gave me more and more courage. Um, I definitely started out when I would serve, you know, in my student ministry, I I started out as a background vocalist and then just over time got the courage to actually sing out. But it, even when I would lead, it was in, you know, student ministries of like, seven to 12 students, you know, just really, really small. Um, and just grew from there. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so how do you go from being, from singing the very first time ever at a funeral to leading a worship team over 20 campuses in South Carolina? Like that's not, you don't make that jump in one, in one step. So give us a little background on, on the journey to become the worship pastor at New Spring. And just even hearing you put it like that is blows my mind just to think about. Um, really, it, it is. It has just been a step every every day of just, you know, obedience to the Lord. Like, you know, I, I, I did in the college years. I was part of this Christian rock band um, that, that was fun and um, kind of like had some opportunities to do some traveling and um grew my musicianship and vocals that way. And then by the time I was about ready to graduate college, um, I was about to get married to my wife. We had dated for six years all the way through high school and college. And it was like, okay, I got to actually think about like a career, you know, I'm graduating college, right. getting married, got to have a job. This gigging isn't going to work. Um, and it, that was the first time that the Lord pointed me back to that high school Blake in his room alone with the Lord, where I remember saying, God, I know I'm not musical, but if you can use someone like me, I'll give the rest of my life to help other people experience your presence like I am right now. And I felt as a college student about to graduate, that that's when the Lord called me to be a worship pastor. And I had about four job offers on the table at the time, but I felt God was calling me to this one particular church that was actually... um, had probably about 50 people in attendance. It was definitely the smallest, the lowest amount of pay. And we graduate, we get married. And I start day one after we get back from our honeymoon as a worship pastor. Um, And I've been one ever since. But funny enough, that church, actually, we had to shut the doors of the church after about six months. And so as a new worship pastor, you're like, man, I'm really winning at this thing. (laughs) You shut it. Yeah. You shut it down, bro. <laughs> Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Um, but in that interim period, I, I remember um, a friend of mine who owned a water company. He was so kind to just give me a job um, delivering water. And I, honestly, I made more money doing that than I did as a worship wow. pastor. But it was through that period that I, w- I was just miserable. Like I was grateful for the job opportunity, but I it was just, 
it sealed in me that like I was made to do this. Um, and it was through that that I actually got a phone call about helping start a church from scratch. And I was like, well, I shut one down. I mean, this is probably the best from <laughs> the ground up. And um, I, we did. We helped start a church in um, Kennesaw, Ackworth area, Georgia. And yep. I, um, I mean, I saw that ministry grow from being in a home to we launched portable in a school, eventually had a permanent um, campus on our you know main highway there. And then it grew to multi-site and I was there for almost 10 years. And so th- the cool thing is I was able to grow with the church. You know, I wasn't kind of thrust into this environment where I was in over my head and out, out kicked my experience. You know, I was able to grow with yeah. it. And I'm just so super grateful for those years. Awesome. Okay. So you go there, you, yeah. you, you shut down a church, then you start one. <laughs> um, but even in that, there's a lot of guys and girls listening today who are part of a church plant or um, are, are part of an emerging church. How do you go from that to, I mean, New Spring is yeah. like a, a massive entity. Well, New Spring was a place that I learned from all along those 10 years where I planted it, uh, helped plant a church because it's like, I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, I would, I remember every, I think they posted their service on Tuesdays and I, it was part of my rhythm Tuesday morning to go in my office and watch new spring services and learn yeah. from, you know, what they're doing, learn from the songs they write, um, how they structure their services. I mean, all of that. And, some of the leaders there, Lee McDermott being one, um, Shane Duffy, who is creative arts pastor, but now is a lead pastor. Um, yep. I just reached out to them. I was like, hey, can I learn from you guys? And they were so gracious and kind to hop on the phone when I needed to and allow me to drive to Anderson, South Carolina to you know buy them lunch and just ask them questions. Yep. And so I just was a learner. I remember going to conferences there. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's like, you look at a church like that and you just dream uh, of being able to like lead, you know, um, at, at a church like that, but I'm just trying to learn from it. And then after about 10 years, I, I knew, I mean, I wrestled with it for about two years, but I knew the Lord was calling me to something else, something new and being, you know, my wife, a stay at home mom, single income. It was a crazy, scary decision. Cause I kept like, God, are you sure? Like, is this not foolishness for me to resign and have no promise of anything? I mean, truly didn't have irons in the fire, didn't know where I was going. But after 10 years of ministry with this church, resigned, having no clue, no clue. Wow. Where I was going, um, and ended up getting a phone call from New Spring saying, hey, we want you to pray about being the worship director here at New Spring. Um, wow. And I was like, you mean like a campus worship leader? Do you mean like, you know, what, what do you mean? They're like, no like to, to lead our worship department. And man, I, it was like the first time in my life that I had felt that level of nerves for right. a job opportunity. And it was like, but I remember feeling like the closest comparison biblically would be like Moses when he's called to do this. And he's like, no, 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 I'm a man of stuttering lips. Like you got the wrong guy. And God responds like who gave, and you know, his mouth, who gave him the ability to speak. And in the same way, it's like, God, I've, I've only led at a two campus church, not, you know, yeah. 14 campuses. I've, I've only led at uh, 1,500, 2,000. I haven't led at 20 to 25,000. And he's like, like, who gave man his leadership? Um, right. And, and it was in that that 
truly, I was like, all right, I'll just take the next step of interviewing that, you know, they probably won't take me anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the Lord had prepared me culturally, um, you know, things I'd experienced and New Spring went through some pretty um, amazing changes. Um, honestly, you know, they lost their, um, their founding pastor and were charting a new course culturally. And I truly felt that when I met with leadership and, you know, the team leadership approach, the, the humility that I saw, the desire to be shepherd pastors to people. Um, I, I remember going and visiting the church and I didn't tell them I was going to do it because I didn't, oh, really? you know, so you see, see secret shop them a little bit. That's right. Me and my wife went and, you know, I just remember seeing like all the lead pastors and like, you know, the people who could be like the who's who, like most well-known teachers are like out in the parking lot, greeting people and hugging people in the lobby and praying over them. And I just felt like, man, I've seen all the amazing production. I've, you know, going to all the various conferences, I've seen amazing worship bands, but like what drew me there was the humility that I saw in the leadership, the community and family I saw. Like I'd never seen a mega church quote, you know, uh, I've never seen a mega church with like this level of family knit in the culture. And I just knew that the Lord had prepared me and my family to be a part of helping chart the course for where New Spring was going to go. Yeah, that's awesome. So you walked into a situation and some people may know about this, some people may not, but um, your church went through a pretty traumatic situation. Um, as you stepped into that season, how did you how did you balance being a pastor and a comforter with being a worship leader and a creative? Because there was a lot of people that experienced some pretty intense trauma yeah. in in the season that you were moving into your role. Yeah. Well, I, I remember I had about three weeks before I started. And I was like, all right, God, you've got to give me the vision for the worship department. You know, I, I don't fully know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going there and in, inheriting a team of about 20 worship staff members, all who don't know me. Um, it's very intimidating. Lord, will you give me like direction and vision? And through that three weeks, I don't know how else to explain it, but I just felt like God just kept giving this phrase, cultivate humility, cultivate humility. And I, I didn't know fully what that meant at the time, um, except now, you know, I know that like as worship leaders and worshipers, if we can be honest and just say that what the target is for us and the people we lead, it is the presence of God. And yeah. and just learning that, you know, of course, we see um, pride repels the presence of God and humility attracts it. You know, um, we, we, we quote often Isaiah 66 to God says, this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble, contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And so it's like, man, we want to attract the presence of God um, and repel any pride that has been there. That's been in my heart. That's been in the, the culture of the team. And so really, when I, when I got there, I remember um, buying the book, um, Humility, True Greatness, for the entire team. And we wow. just read through it and had conversations. And the Lord just began to do something special there. And, and we saw like... Okay, so he gave us this visual that was really cool, and this has encouraged a lot of other churches, of soil and roots, okay? And, okay. and so imagine this image that in the picture, you don't see what's above the surface. Okay. You only see the soil and the roots that are beneath the surface. And the parallel there is because, like, I mean, as worship leaders, we're on stages, 
we're literally elevated on a stage. We're literally illuminated in lights. Like we're, our yeah. faces are blown up 20 feet tall on <laughs> iMag. And it's honestly a, a recipe for disaster for the human heart. Like, you, you yeah. know, I mean, it, it makes it so much about us. And we said we want to enter a season where it's more about cultivating things in the unseen. Um, yep. we're, we're not seen. Believing the um, reaping and sowing principle that if we sow humility, we sow scripture in our hearts, we sow integrity, we sow freedom and community and joy and these different things that he gave us as core values, then what you will see above the surface when it sprouts is going to be yeah. joy and integrity and humility and scripture. And like, so if we sow scripture in our heart in the hidden space, then when we speak from a stage, scripture is going to come out, not our own words, not our own preferences. And so Really, and the reason we picked those words, by the way, is because those are attributes that are found in Scripture attached to the presence of God. Like That's awesome. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And right. you know, Psalm 16.11, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And, and you know, all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's like, man, there are these things that are attached to the presence of God. And if we cultivate that and who we are and prioritize who we're becoming more than what we do, then we can be people who don't have to strive for the presence of God, but we actually attract it. Um, yep. I was talking yesterday to someone about um, Psalm forty-one, twelve, where David said, because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence. And it's just this beautiful picture that you don't have to strive to get somewhere that he sets you. Um, because of, because of who we are. And so for new spring, I think being in the limelight for so long, God was calling us into a season of developing in the dark, um, developing beneath the surface and believing that when we did emerge through that soil, that what was going to be seen by people would be something that could last that the root system and the strength of what God built could, um, could withhold it, could sustain it. Love that. So you're in a you're in a leadership spot now, and you're still creating. Uh, we're going to talk about the the EP that you just released and and the songs in a minute. But um, tell me, when you're leading your team, and you have you lead multiple worship leaders across multiple campuses, what what are some of the indicators that you start to notice when you when that pride is trying to work its way back into the team? Yeah. Um. You know, I, I think you begin to see it with, with, with striving. Um, you begin to see it in disunity, um, whether that is disunity in something as silly as like style, um, you know, sonic sound differences. Um, I, I say disunity because a, another kind of vision the Lord gave us was um, for our teams was this idea of a frame. Um, you know, when you look at it, like a frame around a picture, around a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And when you look at a frame, you think just one thing, the frame. But really, when you look closely, you realize a frame is actually four individual pieces sealed seamlessly together to put something on display that's not itself. Mm. And just had this vision of like four sides, audio, video, lighting, and music sealed seamlessly together to put the glory of God on display. Um, and and in a... A frame, if it's too marred, you know, chipped and paints peeling, it draws the eyes of the beholder away from the masterpiece into the frame. But at the same time, 
if it's too ornate and bedazzled and it's got like, it's got jewels all over it and it's golden. And it's like, Oh my gosh, look at that frame. Yeah. And so for us, you know, we, we saw also when a, when audio and music, right. Is bickering and not getting along and, you know, you know, the frustration between the video team and, well, you, you went there in a song and we didn't know to follow you or, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Or vice yep. versa. Like, you know, the, the, the band can be self-serving. Like, that's the frame becoming detached at the corners. And in the same way, that draws attention to ourselves and not the glory of God. And so I think the humility comes in the like, man, we are a part of something so much bigger than any one of us. Um, it stuck out to me that Ephesians 2, like, we know the end of Ephesians 2 where it says, you know, stone by stone being Christ is the chief cornerstone, then the foundations, the apostles and the prophets. And we are the stones that's built up to become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And but if you look at the the first part of Ephesians 2, it's all about unity. It's all about like killing the hostility of division. And and if you're stacking like, you know, me and the next worship leader and the next campus worship pastor and then this audio guy and this video guy, wherever division stops or starts, excuse me, that's where we can no longer build up. And the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place will fill that temple to the level that we can, you know, grow into the the dwelling place. And so we want more of God's presence, which means we've got to do everything we can to kill that pride of division and disunity so that we can build together as one team uh, to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. So I think I see it a lot in disunity. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've even amongst the worship team had to fight that of like, stylistically and man you you've been so awesome to help us with that of even this idea of a collective you know mm-hmm. and and expressing ourselves in various sounds um you know you, you've heard me talk about the the unique angles of god's glory and you know i can dive into that in a minute but it's like we all express both lyrically and musically how we're seeing god and if we learn to appreciate all of those angles we actually see it a greater level of the fullness of god um, so just learning to appreciate. So going back to your question about humility and pride, that's one of the ways that I can kind of sniff it out. And, and also the way I see it in myself is when I have a hard time wanting to celebrate others. Um, yeah, you know, that's good. I, I want God to receive the glory. Um, but if we're honest, sometimes we don't mind being the one standing next to the glory when it's seen. <laughs> Um, or maybe in front of it. Yeah, maybe in front of it at our worst and <laughs> at our best behind it or beside it. Um, but when you just realize, man, I just want the Lord to receive glory and whether he gets it through someone else or through me, that that that's when you can kind of measure a level of humility versus a level of pride as well. Um, at least that's what I've seen in my own life, if I'm being honest. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And <clears throat> Yeah, I love the conversations that we've got to have about diversity in, in music and style and and the way that it does represent the fullness of of God. You know, it's God God shows up in through multiple styles, not just through the style that we love the most. Um as you lead a team that writes for diversity and writes as a collective and you as a songwriter as well, what are some of the core practices or principles that you guys kind of lean to when it comes to writing songs as, as a collective? Yeah. Well, we, one is, and I'll thank you for this, Stephen, cause you, you challenged me in this, you know, you, you told us the difference between a songwriter 
and a person who writes songs is their calendar. Mm-hmm. And I realized real quick that like, while I did write pretty regularly, it was like, you know, if it works out and I have margin in my calendar, um, you know, then it'll happen versus like literally calendar calendaring it regularly and working around it. And so I think that's, that's something we entered into. Actually, we, as a collective, we have a, like a covenant, um, that we sign saying that if we're going to be a part of this, we're going to be songwriters. We're going to prioritize this. We're going to calendar it. And we actually are held accountable to submitting um, so many songs in a quarter. Um, and it's a way of just holding us accountable to sharpening that craft and, and writing. And then with that, you know, you talked about the various sounds. I think we've just spoken a freedom and a permission to write how God made you. You know, we, we just got done last week doing this recording um, 12 songs. Um, yep. We worked with our creative team and four of those songs were like, you know, full band. The closest thing I can compare to is, you know, your, your normal Sunday morning worship, right? Then four of the songs were literally just an acoustic guitar. And I would say many of those aren't even designed to be sung on a Sunday. They're, they're designed to be an everyday song that someone can listen to and encourage them in their faith. And then there was four songs that were gospel. Uh, we had mm-hmm. a gospel choir come in and specifically being in South Carolina, which is arguably one of the most racially divided states in the nation. Um, wow. It's so important. Music plays such a part in unity. And that, that's been a lesson I've had to you know, learn and embrace and lead through um, by humbling myself and learning from others. Um, and, and we're encouraging that. So, I mean, it's exciting that not only are we just looking for, you know, the gospel arrangement of glorious day or the gospel arrangement of my worship, but no, we actually now have our own gospel expressions that will reach an audience that, you know, other music might not. And so I think instead of like kind of being narrow-minded in a certain lane, we've encouraged people to express the glory of God through the way they see him both in um, lyric and in sound. That's awesome. Okay, so when you are writing songs, how do you make how do you figure out the difference between um, a new spring song and a Blake song? I um, I don't know that I really see a difference in the sense of like I am part of New Spring, so a Blake song is also going to be a New Spring song. You know, we're doing the co pub co release, and so like. My yep. name is on there, but it, the first name on there is New Spring Worship. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's going back to that Ephesians 2, you know, the stones, the dwelling place. It's like, I am part of New Spring. So if I, Blake Goss, write, it, it is an overflow and extension of New Spring. Um, you yep. know, and I could list the names of our amazing writers. And it's, you know, whether it's gospel or we've released um, Spanish music that's done really, really well and reached people who don't even speak English. And those are all expressions out of New Spring Church because the people who make up, they're the people who make up New Spring Church. And so um, for me, one of the things I was most excited about was to do this hand in hand with New Spring because it's the church that I love. And it's the like when I picture, like when I'm writing a song and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing when we're gathered together. Like I am picturing my church. Um, and it, and if it goes beyond those walls, praise the Lord. Like I, I want it to serve the global church, but it's first birthed out of 
our church where God has entrusted me and called me to steward that. That's awesome. So you've just started releasing for the first time in a long time, your own music. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the heart behind the altars EP and what you, what you put together for, for that collective of songs? Yeah. Um, so you said this, but like I, I hadn't released music in it had been seven years. Yep. There was a a point in my life that I did this regularly and it was one of my absolute greatest passions. But when I moved to new spring, you know, I mentioned we were shifting culture and it took every bit of energy and time to hone in on that. And I think in the same way that, you know, I mentioned the soil and roots and developing in the dark, I thought instantly when I moved to new spring, it was going to be like, sweet, we're going to, I actually get to write with other people, (laughs) you know? Right. Right. When I was in the old church, I was the only writer. And I was so excited about that, but it was, it was clear that part of the things that one of the things that Lord wanted to develop in the dark was our writing so that in the same way, humility came out in our writing, joy came out in our writing, scripture came out in our writing, freedom did, um, because we sowed those things. And so for me, I actually went about five to seven years without releasing music because it was during that season. And I, listen, I, I, when you say the, hear the word prophecy or like prophetic, I don't know what, what goes through the listeners' minds. I mean, I didn't grow up in a church where that was like, I mean, of course it's in the Bible, but I didn't hear it much, you know, like in church. And all of a sudden in my life, I remember it was October of 2021, I had someone ask me if they could share something that God spoke to them while I was leading worship. Didn't know this person. And they wrote down on a sticky note, Um, some pretty specific things. And one of the things was saying, God is giving you freedom to go new places as an artist again. Wow. I'm like, okay. And I remember asking this woman, do you, do you feel like, you know, this artistry is a certain thing, like writing a book or, you know, whatever. And she said, I feel like the Lord was saying it's wherever you have felt the most bound. And when she said that, I was like, okay, that's songwriting. I, I felt like stuck. And Wow. It, it was powerful to me, but I kind of just tucked it away. Like, could that be coincidence? Well, that was October. November, um, I am traveling to a totally different campus two hours away. And a woman who I've never met in my entire life, like said she saw the phrase new song over me. And she's like, and I, I don't even know if you write songs, but I feel like it has to do with songwriting. Like, you can't make this stuff up. Like, and then... Two months after that, in January, I'm in our um, Florence campus, which is three hours from where I live. Again, woman I've never seen in my life comes up, same thing. I was like, okay, God, you've got my attention. Like, you're not done with me when it comes to writing and releasing music. So I don't mean to overly simplify it, but if I could strip it down to like the vision and heart from there, it is. it was truly an act of obedience. It's like, this wasn't me just you know, like, oh, I'm just itching to write and release music. I thought as an almost 39 year old, like, man, that was, that was a season behind me. Like I'm, I'm too old for this now. I don't know why we believe these silly lies, but, um, you know, I, I looked back fondly on the season of writing songs, but that, that was, that was over for me. And God had to get my attention in pretty dramatic ways. Um, I said, okay. Um, and it was through that, that I reconnected with, um, Ed Cash actually, who, um, produced some stuff that I did in the past. They invited me so graciously and kindly to like come to Nashville and like I shadowed them on a leg of their tour for the We the Kingdom tour. 
And I actually there got the names of other producers because, you know, Ed wasn't producing since he was doing the We the Kingdom thing. Right. And I got connected to like, you know, Aaron Robertson and Jeremy. And then through through that and having conversations with others, I got connected with you. And, you know, going back to what you said at the beginning of the conversation, you go from this kid who likes sports and doesn't even really listen to music to leading at New Spring Church. It really is just a everyday yes. Like, you know, all right, I get these words. I'm like, okay, God. And then I call Ed, who's the only real producer I know, and he invites me and I, okay, yeah. you know, and I go and then I get the names of new producers and I call them and they say, sure, send me the music and they like it. And it's just one open door at a time. And the visual I get, um, because th- this may seem like an elementary illustration, but it, it, it served me so much all throughout my life and my family is, you know, Psalm says, God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And yep. that lamp would be like a lantern, not a flashlight, you know, in biblical right. times. And you get this visual of like a circle of light around your feet that's only going to illuminate enough light for one step. And yep. everything in us wants the spotlight that gives us one week, one month, one year. Um, but everything from when I resigned from that church and just saying, okay, God, where do you want me? And I get a phone call and I just take that step. All right, yeah. I'll set up an interview and I take that step to getting that sticky note and saying, all right, God, if you want me to release songs, all right, and I'll take that step. and. I'll have the conversation with the producer and I'll take that step. And truly, as I look back over these, you know, 20 years, I think it's just been one step at a time of taking up my cross, denying myself and saying, God, where where do you want me to go as I follow you today? Yep. That's so good. What do you hope people hear when they listen to this record? Like what's the, what's your, your, your vision or prayer for this, this project? One of the things I learned in this process is I really grew in confidence in who I am as a writer and also who I'm not. Um, you know, it's so easy to listen to other writers and be like, man, they're so artistic in the way they say that. And like, I got to start writing that way. But when God revealed that truth to me about the angles of his glory, um, it's like, I have a unique angle. So just to pause right there, Isaiah six says the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy to one another. And C.S. Lewis responded that he thinks the reason that is, is because each angel, as it looks at God, only has one perspective, one angle. But as it calls out to all the rest and all the angels around his throne call back to them that like you get a fullness of the glory of God when you communicate his glory to each other, that you don't get alone. And so during this project, I had this vision of like, I remember when I was driving to the airport and to go up to Nashville and I listened all the way through the Elevation Line record. And I listened all the okay. way through Brooke Ligertwood's, I think it's The Honey and the Rock. Um, seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah, seven uh, record and still calling records. No, it's just in me. <laughs> um, and I remember like- Now you're da- now you're dating yourself. You yeah. thought you were with the jock jams? No, it's that's what dates you right there. Yeah. I remember thinking how vastly different the sounds were to both of those and how most people, if you listen to both those, you're absolutely going to say, I like this one better or I like that one better. But it was through that that I remember thinking, no, like Brooke's sound is because it's a melodic expression of how she sees God. It, you know, like it's both the lyrics and the feeling behind that supports the lyrics or how she sees God. And then elevation over here, like when you know the the driving drums and guitars is like victorious. It's like that's how that's the angles of of God that they see. 
And I, it, yeah. it just gave me this peace and this confidence that like this project for me, I'm going to, I'm going to settle into who I am and I'm going to express how I see God. And so the way that for me, I feel most compelled to write every single time. And I've just learned to embrace this is I will read a scripture and feel like I've got to write a song about that. Like I, I feel awesome. like a burden to write a song. And so all four songs in this EP, whether it's, you know, King of Glory um, is literally Psalm 24 um, from, from top to bottom. You know, you read Psalm 24 and then you listen to the song and it'll make perfect sense. Um, With a word is Matthew 8, where the Roman centurion comes before Jesus and said, will you heal my servant? And he says, I will. And he's, the, the Roman centurion says, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and he'll be healed. Mm -hmm. And Jesus did it. And he marveled at the man's faith. And then I noticed in the same chapter, like when he calmed the storm, you know, it'll say still just a letter in red, just one single letter or word. And he does it. Yeah. And he looked at a demon possessed boy and he said, literally just one word, go. And the demons are gone. And he looked at disciples and he said, come follow me. And they do. And their lives are changed forever. I was like, man, the power of the word of God or even a single word from God. And so where the word is written from Matthew eight, um, I, I could go on and on, you know, about these Christ redeemed us is Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And it's a song about the gospel. So for me, I, I, I just, I want the listeners to know that the word of God comes alive as they listen, um, because I do believe the word of God is alive, active. It's God breathed. It doesn't return void. My words do. Um, and when the word of God is put to melody, I believe those same truths can be true and it can breathe out on them, be alive in them and it can be active in them and it won't return void in their lives. I mean, I just got a message this week from a woman who listened to altars and she was listening to it while going through um, a, a struggle, a battle with cancer and how it brought her so much peace in the midst of that. And um, a girl who messaged me about, um, having an eating disorder and literally listened to with a word and felt that he spoke a word healed free over her. And she woke up the next day and never struggled with it again. And so like, that's what I want for the listeners. It's not just about one more song being released into the earth. It is about, right. it really is a ministry tool. And I'm believing the power of the word of God through these songs can do what the word of God does. Love it. Well, you, you stole my next question. Cause I was going to ask you to tell the story of the girl who, uh, um, had the eating disorder. Give us a little bit more of that story because you, you brushed by her really quick, but it's, it's actually pretty amazing how she heard the song and when she heard the song. And just tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, to be vulnerable with those who are listening, I, I was, I had released the first single alters and was getting ready to release the next and was just having that pity party moment of man, does this matter? Like when I got those three prophetic words, did, did I misunderstand it? Like, was I wrong? And I remember it was on a Friday and I, I just was like, God, if, if I did the right thing, will you just give me like a sign? I mean, almost just like that childlike faith prayer. And that night I went to our, we had a Spanish night of worship. Um, and there were people from all campuses coming together to serve and just this beautiful night of worshiping in multiple languages. And this girl came up to me in the lobby who I say, girl, I mean, she's in college and she, um, we'd never met. She said, Hey, are you Blake? I, I thought you were, but I wasn't sure. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, she's like, I, I've got to tell you this three years ago, 
we sang with a word in church. And I didn't know it was an original song, so I looked everywhere for it, and I couldn't find it. Um, but when I heard that song in church, I just want you to know that I was struggling with an eating disorder, and I was so bound by this struggle. I fully understood why people even committed suicide who struggled with this. I mean, that's how, how dark wow. it was for her. And she said, and I felt something new when I heard that song with a word. So I, then I found out it was an original song, but it wasn't released. So I went on Facebook and would like scroll back in the service to when that song was played. And I would save it on Facebook so that I could listen to it. Well, you know, I mentioned um, there in her room at her house, she just, she listened to with a word. She prayed, God, I'm ready to be set free from this. He spoke over her and she was completely healed. And just that week, someone texted her and said, look, they're releasing this song with a word. And she's like, now I don't have to go to Facebook and try to find it, um, you know, <laughs> available every day. And it just reminded me, you know, at New Spring, our, our church's vision is we want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus. And we've seen our songwriting and song releasing come to life in that, that everyday part of the vision. Because otherwise, people like Sarah would have to come on a Sunday. And if they don't hear it on a Sunday, they don't get it. They don't get it. No, we right. release these songs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all throughout the week that God can meet them where they are, everywhere, every day. So good. So good. Um, when you think about yourself back at the, at the, the church plant, mm-hmm. What what would be the encouragement you would give to to the worship leader who's listening right now? And they're they're in that church plant season of life. They're not in the I have a collective that I get to write songs and release songs with, but they're they're back there in the day of like, man, what do I do tomorrow? And how do I motivate these volunteers? Yeah, what would you say to that guy or girl? Yeah, a couple things. One is be be faithful with what God's put in your hands. Um, you know, if you read the parable of talents. Even if you feel like you've only got two talents, if you steward those well, they turn into four. Um, and those who don't steward them well, you know, lose them. And so, like, be faithful with what God has given you. Um, I Just be reminded that a little boy came with just a few pieces of bread and fish, and thousands of people were satisfied, you know, reached by that. Yep. Um, the other thing I would say to any young leader is be a learner. Um, I would say that to a veteran leader, actually. <laughs> Never yeah. stop learning because it's like there's always people who are ahead of you that they count it a joy to invest in you and to pour into you. But also being a learner is a sign. We talked about humility. Um, and humility is, in my opinion, the greatest trait that you as a worship leader could cultivate because it attracts the presence of God. And just realizing that, man, you can always learn from others. Um, not only does it make you better, but honestly, Little did I know or expect that when I learned from Lee and Shane at New Spring that it would lead to me working with them one day. Um, I didn't know that, but was just right. trying to be a learner. Um, and so be faithful with what God's put in your hands um, and be a learner. And you'll be amazed at God wants to receive glory and he delights in that glory coming through his children. You know, Ephesians 2.10. Yeah. Um, he it is you are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Um, I think about, you know, in Matthew where it says, so let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Like, I think that's such a beautiful thing for a worship leader that they can see your, 
that good deeds, actually, if you were to look at the word in, in Greek, it would translate to beautiful, excellent art. So for artists oh, wow. and worship leaders listening, it's so let your light shine before others that they may see your beautiful and excellent art, but not glorify you, glorify your Father in heaven. So you have what it takes right where you are to glorify the Father through beautiful, excellent art as writers and also by pointing people to his presence as worship leaders. That's so, so good. So good. Blake, thanks for taking time to talk to us today. If you haven't had a chance yet, go listen to the Altars EP, uh, Blake Goss, New Spring Worship. It is a phenomenal four-song collection. Um, You're going to love it. With a Word is a really powerful song. Altars. um, Man, I, I just... I, I know personally it's it's ministered to me. So I hope that uh, you take the time today and go check it out. Blake, thanks for hanging out with us. And how can people find you, follow you, learn more about you? Because I know you love social media. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, that necessary part of this, right, Brew? <laughs> it's um, the I, necessary part. That is correct. The necessary part. It's, you know, the window into our ministry, letting people know what God's doing. I'm learning that. I'm learning that. Um, the best place right now is Instagram, um, at Blake.goss. Also, um, New Spring Worship, uh, we work together, but that's, you know, my personal one and the New Spring Worship one. You know, I just now created a Facebook artist page, so there's not a ton there, but I'm working on it. <laughs> and, um, the best place right now is Instagram. Um, we are about to actually release the Altars music video on YouTube. I believe yep. it's May, whatever that, Sunday is 7th? Yeah. 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 So That's awesome. So go check it out on YouTube and you can also follow along on the new spring worship channels as well. Cause that also has a lot of Blake stuff. Yeah. So man, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for taking the time to, to share your heart. So, so cool. I love the, the frame example that you gave is just like, <clears throat> it's messing with me. So I love that. Thank you so much. And make sure you go check out uh, Blake, follow him on the socials and check out the author's EP. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>